This is Reverend Kirk Lawton, minister at Ocean Lakes Family Campground, and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that this message may enrich your life as you find God especially meaningful to you. Thank you for worshiping with us. Today is a special day on the calendar of events in liturgical churches. It is called Pentecost Sunday, or in some calendars, Whit Sunday. The name Pentecost is derived from the fact that it begins on the 50th day from the first Sunday after Passover. If all this sounds a bit confusion, confusing, uh, let me just back up and tell you how it came to be. The 23rd chapter of Leviticus in the Old Testament gives us the beginnings of some special occasions which were sacred to the Jews. You remember how the death angel passed over those homes of the Israelites in bondage in Egypt when he saw the blood on the doorposts. In this chapter in Leviticus, we have the institution of a feast called the Passover, a special time for remembering how God had blessed his people. As we read further in the same chapter, we see another feast. This second one occurs seven weeks after Passover, after those 49 days are completed. The 50th day begins the feast, and its name comes from the word for 50, Pentecost. Jesus was crucified during the time of the first of these feasts of Passover. Following those days when many people had crowded into the city of Jerusalem, now people had gone back to their homes. It has been estimated that the city population had now shrunk back to its normal size of about 50,000 people. Because of unusually bad weather, not as many people came to Jerusalem for the Passover feast, but when about 50 days had passed, travel conditions began to improve, and now pilgrims from all over the world were beginning to pour into the city. Another estimate of the population at peak seasons would be around one million people. Unnoticed in the midst of all this mass of humanity was a little band of Jesus' followers. They were all gathered together in one place, and something happened that was the most significant event recorded in the book of Acts. It was the most exciting, electrifying, energizing experience ever to come to mankind on this earth in this way. God came. He came in the form of the Holy Spirit upon the people. This event was so marvelous, so astounding, I'm sure only uh, words trying to describe it would be inadequate in conveying the splendor of just what happened that day. But it was something that those people would talk about for a long time to come. Well, what was it that happened? There was first a sound like a mighty rush of wind. Anyone who's been in a tornado has described it in similar terms. Then there were tongue-like wisps of fire that came and rested over every person present. By the way, the United Methodist Church of our day has this symbolism as their logo today. 
And you can see the flame of fire depicted on bulletin boards even outside many of these churches. This was the coming of the Holy Spirit. Verse 6 of Acts chapter 2 says, And when they heard this noise, a crowd gathered. But they were surprised because they were hearing everything in their own languages. These early Christians celebrated this event around the time of the Harvest Festival, sometimes called the Feast of Weeks. If you want to read more about this, it's found in Exodus chapter 32 and Deuteronomy chapter 16. During these times, there were those who were baptized who wore white garments. It is from this word white that Whitsunday eventually evolved. This then is some of the background upon which many churches today come to observe what is called Pentecost Sunday, the seventh Sunday after Easter, or exactly 50 days later. That's counting Easter Sunday. Pentecost Sunday seems to me to be an appropriate time for us to look, even in a brief manner, at some of what the Word of God, the Bible, teaches us regarding this third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Many Protestant denominations hold a belief in the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. Some make a special emphasis upon this, this aspect of their belief. One of the most dramatic events that has happened to Christianity in the past 50 years or so uh, is the increase of a movement which has been called the charismatic movement. And this movement stems from the Greek word charis or grace or gift of grace. And although there is a great variety of distinctive beliefs in this movement, it is most commonly thought of in connection with speaking in tongues. The technical term for this is called glossolalia. There are other outstanding emphases also, such as healings, uh, deliverance, or the casting out of demons, and an emphasis upon a second blessing, sometimes called being baptized in the Holy, Holy Ghost or being filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, some time ago, there was a full-page ad in a recent issue of a national magazine by the United Pentecostal Church, which directed readers to a website which stated, and I'm quoting here, Pentecostalism is a highly fragmented family within Christianity. One source lists 177 separate denominations that's within the Pentecostal Church. This article goes on to say further that Pentecost is an experience, not a denomination. So, what does all this attention to Pentecost Sunday have to do with us here today? Pentecost has been called the birthday of the Christian church. The coming of the Holy Spirit into the lives of those early Christian believers was a never-to-be-forgotten experience. From that day on, they had the conviction that their Lord was not dead, but he was alive and present with them. Wonderful changes took place in their own lives and in the life of the church following Pentecost. Fear gave way to boldness. Faith replaced doubt. 
impotence gave way to power. Many churches tend to give the impression today that Easter is the climax of the early programs of the church. And then after Easter, they think things begin to gear down as they get ready for a summer slump. Oh, what a tragedy that way of thinking is. The Easter message should be the beginning of a great spiritual effort in every church, climaxing on Pentecost Sunday. George Wiseman once said, The vision fades, the power soon is lost, if Easter does not lead to Pentecost. Well, let's bring this down to us now in our own day. What does Pentecost mean to you, to each of us? I want to offer several quick conclusions to this question. First, the Holy Spirit enables us to communicate our love for Jesus Christ. He is the one who points to Jesus, who magnifies Christ, who presents to a lost world the good news of salvation. There are some today whose undue, and I believe sometimes warped, emphasis on the Holy Spirit serves to alienate others and make them uncomfortable. This is not the work of the Holy Spirit. Remember that at Pentecost, the other tongues that people spoke were not irrational gibberish, but they were recognizable languages everyone understood in their own language. A second observation. The Holy Spirit gives us an inclusive, not exclusive, spirit toward other people. I think it's a perversion of the Great Commission of Jesus, who told us to go into all the world and tell the good news of Jesus and His love, if we are content to go off into our corners, or our churches, and enjoy our good feelings of fellowship and joy in the Lord, while so many all around us are hurting and dying in their sins. They need to know what it means to be set free from bondage, but that will not generally happen if Pentecost is an experience that we hoard to ourselves and use that experience to beat over the heads of those who do not claim to have the same experience that we might have had. A third observation. We need, all of us need, a Pentecost today. Christians today need an experience of the wind and fire of Pentecost just as much as did those early disciples. Our churches may be air-conditioned for our comfort, but some churches need to be set on fire, so to speak, and get serious about the work that God has given us to do. I remember the story about a man in a small town who had been witnessed to, prayed for, invited, and even by some arm twisted to try to get him to come to church. But all those efforts were to no avail. And then one night, a tragic thing happened. In the middle of the night, that little community church building caught on fire. And before the fire department could do their work, the building had been completely gutted. Church members stood around, some crying, some in shock, some wondering what in the world they would do now. The pastor of that church was among them, moving here and there, trying to comfort and to console his members. To the pastor's shock and amazement, 
he noticed standing off to one side all by himself was this man, the wayward sinner, whom nobody could persuade to attend the worship services. So with a bit of sarcasm in his voice, the preacher said to this man, Well, Joe, I'm glad to see you have finally come to church. Whereupon Joe replied, Preacher, this is the first time I've seen this church on fire. In the Valley of Dry Bones, Ezekiel heard the Lord say, this is Ezekiel 37, verse 5, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. And then the prophet said, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. And breath came into them, and they lived. Dark, cold cathedrals need to catch fire if they're going to continue to live. Oh, sure, it is great to be on the mountaintops with God, but without His life-giving Holy Spirit, God's Holy Spirit, as He lives within us, our churches may climb to lofty heights, mountain heights even, but then we will find those mountain heights snow-capped rather than volcanic. A fourth observation. Pentecost is an opportunity for renewal. Today would be an ideal time for every Christian to come back to a personal renewal of vows with the living God as He has come to us through His Son, Jesus Christ, and as He now lives within us in the person of the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you a question. Has your spiritual life become dull or drab or less vibrant than it once was? I heard some time ago on the radio a little story. It was told by James Dobson about a lady who owned a precious little bird, a singing canary, which was her pride and joy. This little bird sang from its perch in the cage to the top of its voice, the sweetest little bird songs that you ever heard. One day, while this lady was cleaning house, she decided to vacuum the birdcage. And so she carefully opened the door, stuck the end of the vacuum cleaner in, and the phone rang. Now, you're probably already ahead of me, aren't you, on this story? Well, upon hearing the dreaded sound of a thump, in the vacuum, she quickly shut the vacuum off, tore open the bag, and retrieved her precious little yellow bird, who by this time was dusty all over and gasping for breath. The lady lovingly took the bird to the bathroom sink and washed all the dust off, only to notice her precious little songbird shivering with cold. So then she got out her hair dryer, turned it on, and the little bird gave an expression that he hardly knew what hit him. Later, as the woman related this event to a friend, she was asked how the little bird was doing now. The lady replied, Well, I'm happy to say he survived that ordeal fairly well. But now he doesn't sing. He just sits there in his cage and stares at the wall with a blank look. If this is a description of the way your spiritual life has become, I've got some good news for you. 
Today is Pentecost Sunday. It is a day for renewal. God wants to restore to you the joy of your salvation if that joy has been lost. One woman said after she had united with a certain church, I never intended to join that church, but it was like a great arm reaching out and drawing me in. When I first ventured into the service, I had never heard people singing and praising God like that before. I wanted to join that company of great, happy, God-loving people. And so the question we face today, my friends, is not, are those 177 different branches of Pentecostalism right or wrong? That's not the question. The real question for us is, am I willing to receive the power that God offers me as I surrender myself to his lordship, as I confess my sins to him. If we're willing to do this on a repeat basis, then we will experience the riches of his glory, which are waiting for us to receive. Do you want his riches? A bounty of $5,000 was once offered for each wolf that was captured alive. It turned two men named Sam and Jed into fortune hunters. Day and night, Sam and Jed scoured the mountains and the forest looking for their valuable prey, wild wolves. Exhausted one night as they searched, they fell asleep in the wild dreaming of their potential fortune and all those wolves that they would capture. Suddenly, in the midst of the night, Sam awakened to see that about 50 wolves with flaming eyes and bared teeth had surrounded them while they slept. Sam nudged his friend. He said, Jed, wake up. We are rich. <laughs> yes, with God's Holy Spirit who lives within our hearts, we are rich indeed. Oh God, thank you so much for the fact that you loved us and you gave us Jesus, your son, to live on this earth, to die and be raised again. But we thank you also, God, that when Jesus went back to be at your right hand, he did not leave us comfortless. He came to us and still abides with us in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for your nearness through your Holy Spirit. May this truly be a day of renewal, of commitment to you. All our prayer we offer now in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.